All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss drives me insane that you would have to even propose giving up Leon Dreisaitl to trade Lucic. Is he that unmarketable that you have to give up arguably one of the top 25 players under 25 in the NHL potentially? This kid's almost had, you know, what, three full years in the NHL? People were really bummed out with him last year, and he had 70 points. Yeah. Like, come on. I think what's happening is just Oilers fans, and rightfully so, they're just so bummed out totally that, like, other than Connor, and fair enough, there's nothing on the good news pile. And Nuge. Love you, buddy. Oh, yeah, the Nuge. Yeah, that's right? true. Let me follow you on Instagram. I'll keep trying. I don't know that I can remember a summer where people are as down about the team as they are right now. I can remember years of hopelessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The difference is this year, they were supposed to be good. Yeah. So to be real bad, man, that was a shot to the pills. That's just it. It was expectation. Yeah. When you expect something and get nothing, it sucks. Expecting nothing and getting nothing is also very terrible, though, which is worse. At least we had hope. <laughs> when I don't expect anything and I get nothing. It's just kind of like a wash, isn't it? Is it? Well, isn't it? But you have to be honest. You tuned out, didn't you? I absolutely tuned out. You've tuned out. You were one of the biggest Oilers fans I knew. And we'll get to who you are in a tick. Yeah. It's a rolling start. It's all mysterious. and cool. Yeah. You used, used to be one of the biggest Oilers fans I know. And you tuned out during the decade of darkness. I absolutely did. I just didn't have time for it. I mean, it was just, it was too much. Yeah. You know, I used to set alarms and have the calendar 
you know, of when games were coming up. And yeah. during that time, I, I couldn't be bothered to be home in time for a game and watch it just so I could spend two and a half hours being depressed. And just, during that decade of darkness, you got married. You've had two kids. I did. Who are how old now? Seven and four. So I'm guessing you gave up on the Oilers around 2011. Uh, yeah, pretty much right exactly <laughs> at that point when I got married in 2009 and then had my first kid in 2011. Yeah. And, you know, my biggest dream was that. Well, I mean, I had two boys. And so, like, as a father, I was just, I couldn't wait to get them into hockey and get them into the Oilers and all that. And but that didn't bring back your love of it? No. No, it didn't. I mean, at that point, they were too young, right? Like, it, until they were about four. And I actually recently, at seven, just got my oldest boy and my youngest boy into hockey. Mm-hmm. And I did it in a pretty different way, kind of way I got into it, except for I had, you know, teams growing up that were winning. Stanley virtual Cups. reality. It was not virtual. Okay. reality. You know what it was? It was those sticker books, the Panini sticker books. Oh yeah. yeah. The ones where you like have the whole page for the different teams. Yeah. And my oldest son was going to hockey and he was just not that into it. And I remember getting the sticker books. Every time I got a goal, I would get a pack of stickers Yeah. and I would take the book and I would put them in and I would look at them and, Sooner or later, I knew everybody on the teams, and I knew everything about them, and I used to draw the logos. And so we were going to Boston Pizza one night, and I saw them, and so I bought them both. Where did you see it, like a 7-Eleven or something? They were at uh, Pro Hockey Life. Okay. Yeah, we were just stopping in, I think, just to grab something, and I saw them. Yeah. And so I bought them for them. How many went, packs did you buy them with stickers? Uh, <laughs> the first time, I bought them 10 each. Holy yeah. crap. That's the mother load. I know. They had no frame of reference. I either. really set it too high. I mean, buying, like I should have maybe started with two. What's a pack of stickers cost now? Well, they were two forty nine per pack. Per pack, and the books were cheaper than the packs. I think. So the you went and were... dropped fifty clams on hockey stickers. Pretty much. Holy I didn't stuff. realize it was going to be that much. I expected them to be when we were kids, like seventy five cents. Yeah, it wasn't a quarter. They didn't have a price tag on them, and I didn't realize it until were I. Were they thick? Like, are they? Thick? <laughs> no, there's like ten stickers yeah. per pack. And then when I went to go tap the debit card, it uh, caught a glimpse of the price, and at that point, it was too late. Like I can remember being six and seeing hockey stickers and being so jacked. Mm-hmm. And like opening packs and getting like the gold foil player and having like a religious experience because I was so excited. They that still I... have those gold players. Every team has three. And when you get those, the kids go crazy for them. It's, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's wicked. So, but like those, those books changed my son 360. He, I guess it'd be 180. Well, yes. He's right back where he was before. Well, yeah, and still no, doesn't no. care. Okay, but so, he has some stickers. But he's totally into it now. Yeah. And he knows. And now his whole wall is hockey logos that he's drawn. And or colored. He knows every player in the league. He he knows everything about hockey. And he's way more into it on the ice. So it was like, that was what changed it. It wasn't me being able to introduce him to an Oilers game. He just didn't really care about that. And you could argue neither did you when you were his age. It was drawing logos that made it fun. And like, man, look at this St. Louis Blues logo. This is so hard to draw. But we were winning cups until I was 10. But did you care really? I did. I mean, I, I... Or did you just love hockey stickers and it just so happened the Oilers were winning cups? Well, I loved it because when, like, we would do cup runs and stuff and back then, I remember going to my parents' friend's house. They'd always have parties. And so all the kids would get together and we'd watch the games and that's what made it fun. Mm-hmm. You know, being like it was an event. And so that's what I remember about it. But no, do I remember sitting down to a game on a Tuesday in November? Not really. One of the things we talk about all the time is like this missing generation of Oilers fans that are going to be like the prime ticket buyers in 25 years. And like if you're 10 or 12 years old, they say like you're sort of by by the time you're 12, you're sort of pretty baked into your who you're going to be personality wise. 
And if you like the piano, you're going to love the piano in 20 years. If you like Kung Fu, you're going to love Kung Fu. If you love the Oilers, if you have those experiences at four, six, eight, and nine that make you into super fans. And like, I think we can all go look back at our lives and now maybe you're toned down in your friendship with the Oilers at the current time, but you can go back and look at moments like hockey stickers that made you go wild. Yeah. If you don't have those experiences in the first 10 years of your life, are you going to be like, oh, yeah, the others are good, but what I'm really into is mm, suddenly Susan going onto Netflix in 2022 great or show. whatever. Great <laughs> show. I've never seen it. Suddenly Susan, come on. Remember that show? Absolutely. That was a great show. Great show. Who was on the, who's the star of Suddenly Susan? Uh, Brooke was, Shields? Yeah, yeah, Brooke Shields. Of course. Yeah, she was great. That show obviously didn't do very good if she's doing Lazy Boy commercials. Oh, I think she's made a Have you ever sat in a Lazy Boy? Whew. Luxury. She's aging well, too, <laughs> like a Lazy Boy. Oh, yeah, she looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Real Life Podcast, rolling start this week. Not a surprise. Our buddy's on the show today. Our real buddy from real life. None of these fake-ass hockey players that are supposed to come on the show and then a foal falls out of their girlfriend's horse and then they can't come on the show. No. My boy's on the show. He's on Twitter, at Smigorowski. And when we first started talking about doing this show, uh, I said to him, listen, out of everybody I know who's my friend or that I know socially, you are the guy that has to come on this show even though you don't do a show right now for a few reasons. Number one, you've been my lippy friend that brings people near to tears since we were kids and that translates very well onto a show. You're very good at being funny. You're very good at bringing tension into conversations <laughs> that may or may not require tension. But you're also extremely well informed about sports at large and you probably listen to more podcasts, particularly about sport, than anyone I know. Pretty much all day. And that qualifies me in your mind to talk about the world of sports at large. So yeah. welcome on our show. Well, thanks for having me. I still don't know what I'm doing here, but uh, thanks. Well, do you remember how it started out? Do you remember how it started out when we were going to do the show and then Gregory and Stradrick are on the show? Well, I do. I remember you saying that uh, I want to have a podcast and that Gregor and Stradrick were going to host it with me and that you wanted me on it. And I thought you were absolutely insane. And so... I came. That I was doing a podcast with Gregor and Strudwick? No, that you wanted me on it. That struck you as normal? That I was just going to start talking and talking know. with the bloody You've king done of so many things in your life that I thought were crazy that, <laughs> uh, that turned out. And uh, so I didn't see why this one would be any different. So I think I'm pretty much over the fact that you're doing anything that could be conceived as crazy. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, no, I thought it was crazy that you wanted me to come and, and talk with these guys. I, so I came and sat in for a few. And, and then they went all Hollywood on us. Yeah. And they said, Wanye, listen, <laughs> we are actual celebrities, and you are nothing, and your friend is nothing, and we can only drag one nothing on this show. Otherwise, we're going to go and do, and they ended up doing the actual drive-time radio show together. Yeah, because they don't have enough to, areas and radio to talk about. And at the time, the Strudwick and Gregor weren't doing the show together, right? Oh, the one on Tinto yeah, Strudwick was doing uh, Dinner TV. Strudwick was doing Dinner TV. Oh. So they realized doing our podcast, they actually had really good chemistry together and left and talked to tens of thousands of listeners every day, leaving us to have clean up the mess and talk to... Well, we think we're, are, we're getting as many as five people listening now to podcasts. Did I tell you that? Five oh, that's people. nice. Yeah, the numbers well, are... Well, I listen. Are you counting me? Yeah, yeah. So four people. Oh. And like... Probably when we upload it, that counts as one listen. So there's three people listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for being one. Don't stop listening. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, should I take your advice and not listen to this one, though? I haven't listened to one second of this podcast. I'm going to listen and to And I it. bet you we'll do a thousand shows. And I'll bet you I won't have listened to one second of any of the shows. Sorry, Yukon Jack. I, I think you should. Sometimes they're pretty funny. Yeah. The conversations are weird. Like my we're, voice. When I, was... I just don't want to get in my head about my voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. 
Because then I'll come on next week because I'll have decided that my voice is too low and then I'll start talking like this and then I'll be unrecognizable. <laughs> well, I'm very worried about that. I've listened to myself in like a voicemail greeting. Exactly. And you think it's, you just go, is that really what I sound like? Yeah. At the job I did before this one, we had to listen to ourselves and like audit calls and stuff. That phone we sex did. operator? Were you a phone Absolutely. sex operator? And I was real good at yeah. it. Oh, you yeah. seemed like yeah, you'd be skip really the foreplay, good at it. <laughs> just right to the business. Oh, but shit. we had to listen to ourselves like four or five times a month, so whatever. It is what it is. Probably dirty shit, too. Oh, yeah. Fell shit. Like just like <laughs> creepy, fetishy, hentai stuff. You actually had a, probably a worse job than a phone sex operator having <laughs> to try and collect cash on behalf of a major corporation. Yeah. Yeah. And when people are late with their bills for various reasons, they don't want to pay you those funds that are owed. Interesting. Yeah. And, and your job was to it. tell them, give me those funds. Uh, depends. I did a lot of different jobs, but that was part of it. Sure. Funds, yeah. please. Yep. Did well, you have a voice that you would use when you're collecting? No, no. I would just be just kind of lay it out and just, I, honestly, what I would do is I would just lay it out. This is what you owed. This is how far behind you are. Yeah. This is what it does to your credit. <sighs> Silence. Are these over the phone emails or are you doing this in person? Uh, I did over the phone and email. Not in person, thank Christ, or somebody would pop me right in the face. I think you can do that yeah. stuff in person. They'll probably murder you. Yeah, they, they, yeah, people get really angry, like super aggro. You can't me, be as strong you, in person either. No. You if be, you phoned me and you talked with your voice and told me I owed $1,200 <laughs> to the KFC Corporation or whatever it was, I'd be like, oh, this guy doesn't seem so bad. We could probably talk this through. See, that's what I always kind of uh, thought it was interesting when somebody yelled at me because I don't really, tone of my voice doesn't really go anywhere. I'm just like, okay, I'm just, you, listen, man. I don't care if you pay your bill. I'm just, I, I got a mortgage to pay. I need to pay my bills. I don't care if you do or not. This is the problem that you have. Silence. And then they would go on a tangent, give a bunch of excuses. It was always odd. They always really pay odd. though? Oh, hell no. Then I went to a different <laughs> department. As long as I got to transfer it to a different department. That's what I really cared about. As long as I can be like, this is the problem. Now I don't have to deal with you. These people over there are going to deal with you. And then, you know. Sometimes I would follow up. If they get really angry, I would like write the account number down and I would jump back in a couple of weeks later to see how things played out. Those jobs are crazy because you're basically only seeing people who are delinquent with their bills. It's like working in the customer service center of a big company. If you work in the customer service center of Wendy's, you would think all Wendy's did was serve Band-Aids to people all day long because nobody ever calls up Wendy's and is like, hello, Wendy's. Yeah, everything was just delicious and my junior bacon cheeseburger was on time. Goodbye. Like all you hear is like, Wendy's, I ordered a Frosty and got a toe in the Frosty. You're gross, right? And if you live, if you live in the world of credit collection, everybody's yeah. delinquent. Somet- or sometimes another thing that I did was I had to explain to people why they could not get funded for a loan. And like I had to walk through their history with them and like remind them of all the terrible decisions they've made as younger. Like when I leased that tank. Yeah. And sweet. 69 yeah. <laughs> grand a day. <laughs> you know what pisses me off about when you go to Wendy's or McDonald's or something like that? When they don't salt the fries because you never think to ask for salt. It's true. And you're always like already left the drive-thru and you got your ketchup but oh, yeah. fries aren't salty. It makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, they're Are terrible. you a McDonald's fry guy? What do you I like? think Wendy's fries are Bush League, by the way. Hold your horses. The new ones that have the like the bits of skin on the end or the old G ones? Because they were I don't know. I haven't had Wendy's fries in a while. How long? Uh, two years, probably. Oh. I'll oh. eat a JBC. I'll fucking crush a JBC. Yeah. Spicy chicken sandwich all day. Fries? <laughs> kick rocks. <laughs> a good fry shouldn't need ketchup. And Wendy's... Yeah, and Wendy's... Oh, you're a purist. Wendy's needs ketchup. McDonald's are the only fries I can eat where I don't use ketchup, pretty much. I remember the old Wendy's fries as being quite disgusting, but they've like you'd always get ones that were just like super overcooked at the bottom of your Soggy container, too. 
Soggy, I don't mind. It's the ones that are like titanium hard. And you, you bite into them and they turn into dust in your mouth. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I always loved it when you got the very end of the, you could tell it was the bottom of the fry thing. And at the very, there was all these little tiny, really crispy ones. That's the ones I don't like. It's funny. You should save those for me and I'll come I'll them give up. you an envelope. <laughs> hey, I had buddies the other day. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. McDonald's fries to me are so pure and amazing. Like they've taken the world's potatoes, somehow cut them into the same looking fry with no skin on it. They're all cooked perfectly and taste perfectly anywhere you go. It's yeah, a miracle. The best. I would agree. It's a miracle of the modern world. Although sometimes if you go real late at night, like there's a McDonald's probably two blocks from my house. Yeah. Sometimes when we're good and greased, we'll go to the McDonald's or we'll get Uber Eats and we'll come to deliver. The best. Those like 2 a.m. fries that have been sitting there for a long time and you're just like, ah, oh, <laughs> these are so disappointing because I know their potential. Fiddle shaddle. Yeah, it's just like. Oh, Why don't they is... implement the same rules like Tim Hortons coffee where that stuff can't sit in there for too long? They would have a rule of some sort. Yeah, you're not getting like two hour old fries. You're getting like ten minute old. I feel fries. like you are though. Like the, a, the you don't get the A crew at two a.m. Oh no, no, no. That's I don't, not that's I not don't, where they put the. A crew. I don't think the A crew is out at two a.m. Nor do they really care about Ray Kroc's serious rules about fry distribution. I think back to our days as youths, Megan. We would go with people, and you didn't have Uber in those days. You had to have a DD, and we would take the same responsible friend DD, and he would drive us to McDonald's, like. The West End McDonald's ladies knew the drunks of Edmonton on site. In Collingwood? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there'd be like brawls there. There'd be 30 cars in line there. It was place at 2.15. Yeah. It was like a remand center open at McDonald's. And the one on Stony Plain Road. Fight in line, remember? Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. Almost made me didn't want to go there. And then the people that I hated the most were the people that ate it right in the parking lot and then just threw it all All out, all their garbage out. Yeah. And there's birds everywhere. It, like, was that? A, people are like, "That's allowed. You're allowed to do that. They'll come clean it up." <laughs> I highly morning. doubt that was allowed. What was your McDonald's growing up? Uh, St. Albert. Was it equally chaotic? Yeah, I mean, of course. It's we would be going to because we lived in small town north of the city, so we would cab in almost every weekend, generally to go to the Rippers because we're classy. You got to. You <laughs> got to see the ladies. And then we would go to McDonald's on the way out. And it would just be shenanigans. I remember one time I jumped out of the car. I ran around the drive-thru and I popped up and I scared the girl in the window. <laughs> oh, man. She was trying to issue lifetime bans from McDonald's drive throughs Like, she really took it seriously. And, uh, yeah. She, Did you I, run? Well, of course. I was a Back coward. in your car and then ordered <laughs> Nug Nugs? Well, no, because she wouldn't serve the car that I was in. Oh. So we were a line of us. We were kind of like I a convoy. to scare the lady. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was dumb. I was wasted. What do you want me to do? Um, so we had to pay our buddies to get our food for us because she wouldn't serve our car. Worst of all, we're already in the drive-thru. So you're in that awkward spot where you just kind of drive through, though you're not getting anything. Oh, yeah. You, that's a way. If you want to rip a hole in the Matrix, now, stone sober, adults... Go to McDonald's, go to the lineup when it's really busy, get to the count, get to the thing, go, oh, shoot, you know what? I forgot my wallet. I apologize. I have to go home and get my wallet. I have no means of payment. They're like, okay, then you're already in line, though. And then you pull up to the window, and you roll your window down, and you look at them, and then they hand you the bag of the person behind you, and you drive off. We were talking about I this. I saw that on BuzzFeed, Smig. It's called Lifehack. Lifehack? We were talking about this a little while ago. Okay, so I go to get two iced coffees the other day. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not in my 30s or anything. Life so, hack. Yeah, so we're going to McDonald's. I get some iced coffees. But when I get to the window, they hand me a bag of food that was clearly not mine. So in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, fuck. I just paid $2 for two iced coffees. What's in the bag? Anything worth north of two is a win. So I didn't. I did the honest thing, and I said, that's not mine. I just got my iced coffees. But I was like, man, 
What was in that bag? So were you going to get the bag and the iced coffees? No, no, it was uh, going to have to be a swap. Like, do uh, you go see, to the bag or do you go for what no. you came for? Yeah. I think you take the bag, you look the lady in the eye and say, you forgot my Fresca, and then she gives you one. <laughs> well, you just Fresca's throw a wild card in at them. So they're like, he wasn't the iced coffee guy, clearly, because he ordered a Fresca, but... You could take the bag and go to another McDonald's and get two iced coffees. Yeah. What do you mean? Like trade them back cooked food for iced coffee? No, you could eat the stuff you got and then just go get two new iced coffees uh, at the other one. But what if you don't... Yeah, I don't know. Let's take a break. Dan's waving his finger in the air. I don't think he's celebrating a Golden Knight Western Conference Championship. We're after, back after this, gang. Real life. Alberta is where you find hardworking hands. Where prairie-grown rye meets mountain spring water. Where we pull dragons from the ground. And we choose Rig Hand Distillery. Vodka, whiskey, gin, and more. Rig Hand is made from Alberta-grown ingredients, locally distilled and distributed. It's a bottle of Alberta. Ask for award-winning Rig Hand in your liquor store and visit RigHandDistillery.com. We're back. Real-life broadcast brought to you by our friends at Rig Hand Distilleries. Rig Hand Distilleries are the makers of Nation Vodka, and I myself had a bit of Nation Vodka this weekend, and it went down very, very smoothly, and I highly recommend if you're out there and you're looking for a libation for this hot Edmonton summer, or perhaps you live elsewhere and have a hot somewhere else summer, get yourself a bottle of Nation Vodka and get after it. I can remember the first time I ever drank rye in my life was with you and Lee mm-hmm. and Jay. And we went to Lee's house. I didn't know you guys. This is, I'm like maybe 19, 20. And we'd been golfing all day long. And it was super hot. You're like, let's go to the liquor store and get rye. And I was like, oh, rye. I've heard about that. I think maybe in a, in a magazine of some sort. And we got this bottle of rye and like a 500 milliliter of Coke. Royal Reserve, of course. Classy. Mm-hmm. And we drank each. And we drank them in like two drinks. Oh, yeah. And I was... Out of my mind. I'd never had hard alcohol. That really was the night I fell in love with Rye. <laughs> I almost bought R&R the other day. I was at a liquor store and it was on sale, like dirt cheap. And I was like, you know what? I might pop a sticker on my wallet. Been a while. Just revisit. I was forced by su- substantial peer pressure in the cup run of 06 never to drink Rye again. By my younger sister who after a, the loss to the Sharks... I gave her like a face wash because she'd said something. I wasn't like, I'm way bigger than her, but like I'd never even laid a finger on her fighting as a kid. And I gave her a face wash and she looked at me and said, you're never allowed to drink rye again. And I was like, oh, well, it's been a good run seven years or whatever. It'd been Some people just can't handle a rye. I could, but just every now and again, if I was mad, I would, it would never make me mad for no reason. But if I was drunk on rye mm-hmm. and something happened legit to make me mad, that's when all bets are off. I remember when I told the squire that if he would drink a whole bottle of Royal Reserve, a 2-6, before the bar, I would pay for it for him. And he did it, and it, it did not end up well. Those guys were living in that house together yeah, in yeah. Lassard. Yeah. And, uh, That's where we tried the rye, that house. Yeah, yeah. We tried a lot of rye at that, that house. That was our good summer. Yeah, it was a good summer. Yeah, yeah. But he did not make it to the bar that he night. He didn't. No. That same night that we had the Mickeys, I went to the bar, ordered a bunch more rye, and then, like, remember how you would pregame? I don't know if you ever did this bag mode, but you'd pregame and then, like, race to the bar in taxi so that when you got into the bar, it all hit you, and then you were ready to get funky. We always had that hour-long commute from outside, so we always greased the cabbie a little bit to yeah. let us drink yeah. on the way in. And then That's we would nice. stop and just get, you know, horrible stuff because you had no money, so we'd be crushing bottles of Boons in the back of the Of course, Strawberry Hill had that. a higher alcohol content than the other flavors. Unbelievable. That hour drive, it, that's a killer. If yep. you're just at the perfect place and then you have to do anything that takes longer than half an hour until you get your next drink, that's a night ruiner right there. I remember one time I used to make going to the bar with you was maybe like 
0304, and we're going to Iron Horse from a house in the deep south end, and we elected to get in the back of the pickup truck. And it was winter. Oh, that's a bad idea. And we were idea. driving in the pickup truck, lying down, drinking cans of beer. Middle of winter, lying down, drinking cans of beer. And then when we would be done the can, we would huck them out. And then we got to Iron Horse. Do you remember this? <laughs> I don't remember We this. come into the parking lot at Iron Horse. We're like, we are the smartest people in the world. And we sat up, and there was a cruiser behind us. And the cruiser turned on its lights, and they were like, hi, guys. We've been following you for about five minutes, watching these empties come flying out of the car. And then God bless the EPS, because nobody was drunk driving. I think in the EPS back in the day, if the driver was sober and you weren't putting other cars in danger, but you were an idiot... But it was like minus 50 out. They kind of gave you a little bit of artistic license. I just felt myself get nervous about how this story ended because I didn't remember it. But like, Do you remember my we, superpower from the age to about Yeah, you used to be able to get us out of pretty much everything. Everything. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Everything. Remember the pub crawl and someone threw a bottle out the window and spidered the cop car windshield? Uh, leaving <laughs> St. Albert? Yes, I do. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, yeah. Everybody on the bus is going to get a drunken public ticket, said the RCMP officer. I'm like 20 full control of myself. I could out-talk anybody I felt at the time. And I was like, okay, man, if this is how you want to do it, officer, but understand that there's like 60 people on this bus that aren't driving drunk. And if we don't get to do pub crawls anymore because some dipshit that I don't even know threw a bottle at the window and spidered the car driving by, which I apologize for profusely, you can go arrest him and give him the electric chair. I don't know who it is, but we'll figure it out. But if you give everybody on board a ticket, they're going to be driving next weekend. I promise you, all these people, you can find them in a bar, and they won't have gotten there safely. And he's like, oh. I'm like, let's go find out who this guy the was. He's got a point. And let's go and get this guy, and let's give him tickets. And so we figured out who it was. Hacks, we took the rap. No. Yeah. And so he got a ticket. And then we went on the bus and raised the money for the ticket and gave him the money for the ticket. And then he went and beat the ticket and got to keep the money. Heady play. Yeah. Those were the wins of the time. But I remember being in the back of that pickup truck. And the cop just being like, what are you guys doing? Like, he's like, you're in the back of a cop, uh, pickup truck in the middle of the winter with no jackets on, giggling to yourselves like the smartest man in the world while sipping Coors Lights. It's too bad at that point we didn't know how the airflow in trucks worked when you drive them. It's because I've had something light in the back of my truck, and you can see it go in circles as it hits the different ways that the wind is pushing it. And then all of a sudden it'll fly out. Oh, really? We could have blamed it on that. But we were also in the back of the pickup truck. Yeah, that's true. And we were drunk. And we didn't have jackets on. That wasn't well thought out. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we go back to this pub, the podcast, rather, and I say to you, okay, we're going to get Gregor and Stredrick on here. They're going to show us how to do this. Gregor at no point said, I'm going to do a podcast with you, Wanya, and we're going to do this for the rest of our natural lives. He said, I'm going to do you a big solid, come on your show for six months and show you how it's done, then bounce. And I said to you, we'll do that, and then we'll have a coup, and then we'll have you back on the show. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Yes. So what I want to talk about, why I want you on the show, kind of already touched on, but I want to talk about how we know each other. I think it's funny, and I want people to understand who you are so that as we go forward 10 more years from looking backwards 10 years, they're like, oh, yeah, that guy. This is why he's on that show. It makes perfect sense. (laughs) So we met when we were like 14. Yes. And we met at the golf course. Yes, we did. And I came in, and there was like the golf course cools, and then there was like me and my weird little buddy – and I was like, those guys are like the cool guys of the golf course. I'm going to avoid them for the rest of my natural life. And we never saw each other again. That's pretty much it. No, it didn't. It swung because you made fun of my buddy because he had two baseball gloves on while playing golf. I did. And you, you guys were like, what a loser. Two baseball gloves on. I was like, it's There's time to go. There's some things you can let go. But wearing two baseball gloves when you golf. When you're 14. When you're 14 years old. It's as bad as it gets. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. You're that not doing yourself one. any favors at that no, point. Not at all. And so golf... 
as little nerdy kids kept bringing us back together and we had to it like forces you to hang out with people at the golf course and you learn to make friends yes and the squire and you really hit it off because you can't go to interclub unless you unless are you're buddies. with them yeah and if you have to play with somebody on saturday mornings at the home you're gonna get to know them sooner or later yes yeah yeah and then within a matter of maybe a couple years, all of a sudden I got out of high school because I went to nerd high school and you went to cool guy high school. <laughs> I was like, shit, what I need some friends because all the nerds are nerds and I don't want to be a nerd anymore. I want to be cool. And you guys were my cool friends. And we helped took- you make the transition. Yes. You did. And yeah. they were very, very nice of you to do that. <laughs> you ever have friends like that that made you cool when you weren't cool, but they co-signed for you like Quavo going on your rap and all of a sudden you're like, I've never heard of... You know, NBA young boy, but if he's rapping with Quavo, he must be a good rapper. I I hung out with very varied groups of people in high school. I grew up with like the skateboarding, snowboarding kids because that's what I did, and then they kind of took a darker path, if you will. <laughs> sure, sure. And then I started hanging out with more of the boys I played hockey with, and then sometimes the groups would unite and shenan- shenanigans would ensue, but. Yeah, I didn't really think of that. Although I just co-signed myself. I just probably had delusions of grandeur all the way through. I'm like, I'm way cooler than I think I am. <laughs> I'm weird Yankovic. Yeah, pretty much. I just always was tried to be nice to people. Like the people in the cafeteria always gave me free food and stuff because I was nice to them. And oh. Like we had a bookstore. I would get free Slurpees and things like that. So. You had a bookstore that sold Slurpees? It didn't sell books. It sold Slurpees and chips, and that's essentially it. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. Mm, it's nice. That is very nice. So we're, what are we, 24. We've been hanging out now since I was about 18 or 19, since I started uni. And I'd done a bar. I'd done one bar when I was 19, and it worked great. And it was time to do another bar. I was working doing quantitative math research. Very, very boring. Nerd stuff. Yeah. And they called and said, hey, remember when you were looking for a bar a few years ago and you approached us? Yes. This bar is now for sale. Would you be interested? I'm like, of course I'm interested. I'm 23 years old. I know everything. Talk to me. And they said, you know, we got this bar on 142nd Street in Edmonton and Stony Plain Road. And it is currently half an Italian restaurant that was maybe nice 20 years ago, but probably not. And the other half is like the dive bar of the surrounding five minutes area. And the guy who owns it made money doing something entirely altogether different. He's been keeping this open as a tax loss. He's had enough of it. Do you remember what it was called? Yeah, with Piatti on the one side. And Capitol, Capitol Hill, Hill on 142. Yeah. And Capitol Hill was where a lot of people had gone and gotten drunk at like 12. Because it had he, never been a nice bar. And the bartender there was like renowned for letting underage kids drink. Absolutely. He did not ask any questions if you had a $5 bill. I need a bar like that now because I'm 33 and I still get ID'd everywhere. Well, it's because you aren't aging because you're packed with Satan as iron class. That's true. I right. had to get a beer just to, Here at get, enough, yeah, just yeah. to get up enough nerves yeah. to get on this sure, thing. Sure, sure. And she ID'd me. That's nice, though. It was really nice. Yeah. yeah. I do not look like somebody who should be getting ID'd. Keep it real. Oh, yeah. For me, though, it's just like we're at Chris's wedding on Saturday. They're like, uh, can we look at some ID before you? I was like, oh, for fuck's sakes. This happens once and they just show it to the way. Yeah, pretty much. Well, then, the plus side, you aren't aging, so you might want to hang your hat on that. That's... No, yeah. That pact with Satan is working out. Yeah, or you're a cyborg. We can't quite figure it out. <laughs> well, either way. So we get this bar, and we buy it, and I decide, okay, I'm going to renovate this thing because it's gross, and I'm going to make it nice. This was my entire project outline to myself. Gross. Current status. Gross. Future status. Not gross. All right, let's get to it. So the other bar we'd done, we'd made from gross into not gross while we were open. It was just a matter of painting a few things and putting down new carpet and building some booths and away we went. This one, though, we get in and we start looking and it is like 
I'm thinking to myself, and again, I'm 23. If the bar is open, it has the infrastructure required to be an open bar. It has a fryer that fries. It has a cooler that cools. It has a dance floor that dances. It has a door that opens and closes. How bad can this really be? And then I called you in, because you were my construction buddy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, come check out this thing I bought. Do you remember coming down? I absolutely remember the first time I came down to it. And uh, we went upstairs onto the rooftop patio, which was a real plus at that time. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember seeing it. And I mean, I knew Capitol Pub. Yeah. Like I'd gone there, like you said, before I was 18. And so I knew the place. I didn't know the inner workings of what was behind the walls and, and everything. But uh, when I sat upstairs and you said that one of our friends had uh, recently bowed out and you asked me if I would like to come in and help you with this renovation, yeah. I was pretty pretty new to my, my uh, well, we were kind of career in construction. Yeah, so I didn't know much, but I was probably the one person you, you, you were knew. my expert still yeah, then and much. now. Like, exactly. well, we'll call Chris, you know, Smig, he'll know what to do. So yeah, so I remember coming and it was uh it was a disaster. Like bad. And what do you recall like being like the problems? I remember one time we removed a wall and uh there was like a m- dead mouse nest central. Yeah, there's a bunch of things I remember. Remember the from pigeons it. in the awning? <laughs> I do remember the pigeons in the awning. And Bag milk, there was a hole in the awning that was probably half a block long and there'd been a hole there for twenty years and pigeons had moved into it. Mm, as they do. But like mutated pigeons lived in there and nice. the other pigeons brought them like food. They never left it, I don't think. Yeah. There's there were, always It's like Jabba the Hutt situation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. And so when we removed this awning to take it down, there was like dozens and dozens of effed up birds in various stages of effery. Wow. And they would not leave the perch that they were they sitting couldn't. on. They hadn't they left just, ever. They yeah, were... They, like, you took the awning down, you took away their home, and they just stayed there. Yeah. And it was the weirdest thing. We had no idea how to get rid of them. Never mind thousands of cars driving by honking at you while you were trying Yeah, I mean, to it's take... like the, one of the busiest intersections in Edmonton. And we're doing work outside, pulling down this awning. We're on like two rickety ladders. Four people who don't really know how to take down an awning properly. Yeah. With pigeons all in it. Everywhere. Yeah, it was an event. That was sort of, you know, one of the things we want to talk about is like how things don't change. How you don't change. You're effectively who you are at 17. For the rest of your life, unless you win a Nobel laureate or become president or something like that. But even then, still, you're probably the same person, just with different jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing I've always laughed about us is that we're, I always just look at things and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. Like, why? Why is that fine? Oh, we'll just take the 800-pound awning off with two rickety ladders. Why? Like, well, how hard can it be? They must have put it up that way. Like, there was always just, like, things, gaps in my plans where, like, I could conceive of what we were going to do. I thought we had the necessary resources to to do it. But once you get into the actual doing, you're like, oh, oh, shit. This is going to be way harder and cost way more money. Well, yeah. I remember every single time we went to go do something in that bar that I did. I mean, we started with demo, obviously, as you would do. And over the years, they had just kept adding electrical. So there was wires everywhere and there was pop lines everywhere. And we started with demo and you guys would just come in and say, let's just pull this stuff out. Like, just pull it. Just, and I can't even think of how many times you would say, well, can we just do it this way? And I would have to stop and say, yeah, we can't do it that way. Like when we, when we had to move all the plumbing for the bathrooms and we had to tear out all the concrete floor and you guys came in and went, whoa, they're like, is this necessary? And I said, yeah, it's necessary. And pulling all that electrical 
like you have to make sure it's all dead before you do that, yeah. right? Where if you guys had your way and I left you with a pair of snips, you probably would just start cutting the oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. Like, like do you remember was, when there was like the big HVAC across the middle of the room and I just took the crowbar, jumped up, stuck it in and just hung from it? Yes. And then I like detached the whole HVAC thing that almost fell on the ground? <laughs> yes, that cost a bit of money to fix, I think, didn't it? Yeah, do you remember when we had the pipe break in the wall and it was spraying everywhere and our buddy was up on the ladder and he was like trying to put his finger in the pipe to prevent it from spraying everywhere? Yeah, that was the exact moment I realized that when you do a renovation, you should always know where the main water shutoff is yeah because that would have really helped at that moment super would have helped yeah we found it though eventually eventually our buddy got very wet but that was the fun of it like to me looking back on it now the fun of it and still the fun now is like there are no adults present and you just do whatever no, the hell it was you like want summer camp at and that you point. try and figure out what the what the f's going on yeah right? that was the fun we'll take a break real life podcast back after this have you got holes to dig earth to pack and roads to build then you need to call Jabba Machinery Group. Does your equipment need a service? You can't fix stupid, but here at Jabba Machinery Group, we can fix everything else. With a full range of parts to keep your equipment running smoothly, Jabba Machinery Group is a family-operated and Alberta-grown business. Here to help build a bigger and better Western Canada. Give us a call or visit us at jabbamachinery.com. Jabba Machinery Group. Join the family. We're back. Real Life Podcast brought to you by our friends at Jappa Equipment Machinery Group. My good friends out at Jappa, they know exactly what's going on. They put a photo the other day up on Oilers Nation on Instagram, Bag Milk, and it was my nephew in a skid steer, an ad for Jappa on Oilers Nation. And I went, isn't that cute? And I saw him this weekend, and he said to me, he's three, hey, did you see me on the phone? I drove a skid steer. <laughs> this kid has driven a skid steer. He's three years old. He's the heir to the Jappa everything, and he's he already needs, driving. He skid already steers. knows more about equipment than I do. He does. Yeah. He knows the difference between a front loader and a skid steer, and a blah blah blah, and a da da da. I was just thinking, you guys were talking about doing Renos at Blue Chicago, and I was just thinking of trying to put myself in what I would have done in those situations. I probably would have stared a lot, looking at things. You better not be staring in a Blue Chicago right now. You're going to get assigned a job by Smig that you probably don't know how to do. <laughs> well, that yeah. doesn't matter. Because I would have just been staring at things and been like, oh, fuck, I don't know how to do any of this. Well, I'm going to go for lunch. Yeah. Oh, See you guys a in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, no offense to Wanye, but his go-to tool about a week and a half in became the broom. Yeah. Because that's all he could fucking all I could do, do, to be honest with you. I'm on broom level. <laughs> what I lack in skill, I make up for an earnest hard work. And you could assign me the shittiest job, and I'd be like, well, remember when you made me clean out the like the chicken like spit roaster thingy in the brick fireplace? Oh, my God, yeah. And the grease was like three inches deep, and it like broke every health code violation, and there was like calcified bugs in it and shit. I just couldn't believe that thing didn't light on fire. It's like a, It was the worst sort of like, like what a chimney chase would be if it just had years and years of caked on grease in it. You gave me like a putty spatula and said... Not a big one either because I needed you to take as much time with it as possible (laughs) so you didn't ask for another job anytime soon. (laughs) Another time I found myself in the kitchen with a knife scraping off the air vents that had been painted because we needed to get them the right color. That I knew was classic busy work. That's my skill level. Classic. Is it weird now that you look at it and it's just an empty kind of corner? Yeah, I think it's, well, it's a lot better than the last 15 years of me driving past it and just watching the paint fall off the sign. And like now that it's torn down, it's, you know, I don't have to think about that any longer. You can see that it's sodded now. They just decided to sod the whole piece of property. It was remarkable. We'll keep talking a little bit here about the, the history of what we were doing because now people be like, I don't understand. You did an excellent job renovating the place and then fast forward 14 years and it's closed. 
So we did. We did a great job yeah, renovating it. For like, sure. I, Remember I took the TV a bit, above the urinals? Yeah, we like we put TVs everywhere. We put TVs behind urinals before there was that. Like before the new ad guys wait, came wait, out with those. Hey, I, got, I have questions. Yeah. Yes. Were they tube TVs? Oh yeah. Like how how big were these TVs behind there? 14, 17 inches. Our friend's dad had a had a company that sold appliances and TVs, yeah. and so we got them at like cost. And these were big tube TVs. When that we was hot, the, though, silver TVs at the time was the hottest electronics money could purchase. Oh yeah, and they were that. Probably yeah. weighed a thousand pounds to get up them up there as well. Well, I also brought my big screen from home into the bar, and that was the really heavy one that we had to keep building cabinets for because we were moving it around all the time for reasons <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> oh yeah, the big. What, 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 how did? Oh, never mind. But yeah, I remember how heavy that thing was oh, moving yeah. in and out. Yeah. But then we did the TVs too behind the bar. Yeah. And like they were tube TVs, oh, like yeah. on big platforms anyways like we did it it was a good job but like we got through the what we call the rough-ins you know getting the electrical all up to code and like the we need found out we needed new furnaces you know which was a disaster for disaster. us financially $35,000 we didn't know we needed to spend yeah oh my god yeah plumbing plumbing was a nightmare they didn't have like handicap accessible bathrooms no. we basically had to make two new bathrooms yeah. in a place where there was no plumbing close. So once we got through that, we got to like drywall and even I was still pretty green about this stuff. But when we had tapers coming in the next day to tape out the drywall. Oh my God. And so the night before we had to get all the drywall fixed, like all the drywall put up and it was like midnight. We didn't have any big sheets of drywall left. So we were using cutoffs, remember? And we put like just pieces And there was no everywhere. power to the building, remember? No. So we had like only like construction lights we had to run we had from like, like 150 light, yeah. feet away. So we had just the worst drywall job you've ever seen. And I remember my tapers showed up, the guys that were doing work for us. No, remember, so you bar. left and you're like, you need to have this done because these guys are showing up. Yes. So me and Jay stayed like all night. Yes. Doing what we thought was the best taping job in the history of construction. Well, drywall job. And then the, in the morning, the tapers I remember getting a call and them saying, we can't tape this. We're tearing it all down. Basically, they tore down 80% of the drywall we did. And brought in all new drywall. And then lit the roof on fire. And then lit the roof on fire. Yeah, so they were doing a, they were doing a new textured ceiling in the one part, and they thought they turned off the furnaces, but, the furn- but they didn't because it was the old thermostats. The new thermostats were on another pole. And so, They're just like deactivated thermostats. Yeah, they and they were using, at that off. point, they were using like an oil-based primer on the roof because it was, they couldn't have the old texture or color bleeding through. So they painted it all white. And the minute the, fu- the furnace turned on, sparked like and it sent a flash fire all the way up the walls and all the way on this huge building across the whole roof while these guys were up on stilts man so i'm at like home deeps and i'm driving back to the bar with supplies the amount of supplies i bought at home depot during that summer was remarkable and i see a fire truck pass me on the road doing like 200 miles a second and i'm like wow and then another one passes me on the road and then a cop car and I'm like, oh, man. And then I come around the corner. And this happened several times owning this place. I drive around the corner and there'd be like emergency responders at the bar. There was either like a brawl or there was a this, or there was a that. And it was crazy. And I come around the corner and there's like two fire trucks and a cop car. And I'm like, what is going on? This is just construction. So I floor it and get pulled over by a cop going, responding to the call. And he's like, why are you driving so fast? I'm in my little Civic, right? Thing at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got to go, man. Like, that right there is... And he's like, I don't care. I'm like, but my shit's on fire. Like, half a block. I don't care. And he, like, wrote me out a ticket while... And this is like... I don't know if I had even had a cell phone at the time. Just staring at the bar, wondering why it was on fire. <laughs> whilst getting a fast driving ticket. Yeah, that was uh, a crazy day. But we got it done. And we opened. And I'll never forget um, being... 
uh, like August, and we'd started Renos in maybe like June, and rather than taking three weeks, it took like four months. And they're like, there's going to be a hockey strike. And this like hadn't even factored into our calculations when we're going to do a bar, right? We're like, we know sports, we have friends, we throw parties, we do pub crawls, we'll make a bar, the Oilers games will happen, we'll pepper in some parties at night, we'll maybe meet some chicks, I'm pretty sure we'll get a Ferrari out of this, let's go after it. And when that hockey strike was coming, we're like, well, now what are we going to do? Because, in case you don't know this, because you lived out of town an hour, but if there isn't an Oilers game going on, and it's like February 20th, and it's minus 30, like... Highly unlikely you're going to get anybody to come out to your bar. And I just remember thinking, we got VLTs, fuck it, people are coming. Yeah. And we're going to be rich still. Still. Yeah. Yeah. We just got to last until the hockey comes on. I remember thinking that. And it's like August 2004. Mm-hmm. So they wrote the whole season off, right? And they wrote it off in like quarters. They would never say like, oh, this season's yeah. lost. It was like, it's going to be a month out. It's going to be six weeks out. And it was like zombie apocalypse for bars in those days because it was predating the days of brew pubs. It was predating the days of just like funky bars that you would go to like a Holy Roller or an El Cortez now. There was basically like nightclubs and sports bars Mm -hmm. and nightclubs and sports bars and sports bars and nightclubs. And if you weren't a nightclub and you weren't a sports bar, you weren't going to have anybody come there. You were Santana's. Which I one time went into thinking I was in Cowboys and said to the bartender at Santana's, damn, Cowboys is dead tonight. And he went, man, you're drunk. You're, this is Santana's. <laughs> explains why I didn't have to wait in line. <laughs> so we go through the construction and we do all this. And what links this back to why we want to have you on the show is like the people that I like hanging out with are people who are like, I don't know what we're going to get into. But let's just keep rolling the dice and trying funny stuff and see what happens. Because the only thing worse than being 24 and not having your sports bar get any hockey for a year and closing at 25 and losing, oh, I don't know, $250,000 that you'd piece together at a young age because you thought we were very rich. The only thing worse than doing all of that is not doing anything. And most people don't want to do anything. Most people, like when I brought you on the rooftop patio and I was like, Smig, our other boy bailed. That's very common. On you want to get involved and do something? Yes, I do. Oh, I yeah. won't talk the talk. I won't walk the walk. Lots of times you're walking off the wrong cliff or you're walking down the wrong path. But in my mind, at least you're going somewhere. Yeah, right? I just remember saying to myself, like, what do you need? Hmm. Just basically like, well, just, just tell me what it is. I was pissed off it that was I like wasn't involved in this 20 to begin with. 20G in construction. <laughs> yeah. But careful what you wish for because, <laughs> just... you know, I think... At the end of the day, we all got our education out of it. Oh, hell yeah. Right? But you've gone on to become a very, in my estimation, successful home builder in town. You've got your own properties that you put together. You've, you've got your own outlet for your work ethic now. I think that was evident then that you were going to work harder than most people that we knew. And we were going to work harder than most people that we knew. And so we should try and collaborate and work on something with all of our hard work that <laughs> turned out to be the absolute wrong thing at the wrong time. Yeah. And the smoking. Don't forget the smoking. Eddie. That's right. Yeah, so after the year of no hockey, they, we had the smoking ban kick in in July of that year, July 1st. And I remember it was like we went from being slow to being dead because all the people that played VLTs or went to the neighborhood pub four nights a week to put back two packs of Parliament cigarettes and 14 Labatt Blues, well, they stayed home now, right? And so the kids weren't out partying because it was just like a normal Tuesday. The neighborhood wasn't out supporting the place, and it's also summer. And that summer, one-third of the bars in town shut. Yeah, it literally became us every night in there, anybody we could talk into coming, other than the twice a month we would throw some sort of party Mm -hmm. where all of our friends would come, uh, in there drinking, playing golden tea, Mm -hmm. and playing our own VLTs. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah having shocked, a good time shocked that didn't work <laughs> having a good time right that was uh that was what we were doing so now we're sitting here the other day and i said to you smeg come on down because we're just starting to get ready for the summer here we've got some pretty big plans for the next season of the show when the hockey season returns and what i want is to do the 2018 version of what we were doing then, which is rather than trying to build out some super fucked up old building that has mouse Hiltons and dead pigeons everywhere, what we want to do is sit down with the boys and talk to people that we have no business talking to in the sports world because we can leverage this hilarious thing that we've built since the bar closed. And I want you to sit down with the players that we're going to be interviewing, show them zero respect, despite the fact they probably earn it, and then just yell at everybody about why would you get married when you're 24 years old and worth $12 million? You should be dating people on Instagram with a million followers plus. Which is a great fucking question. Like, why would you? I don't understand it. Most people get married either because, I don't know, they want to start a family and they want to not, I don't know. It's hard to explain this, but if you're with a group of guys every day and you get to play sports and you get to go out in different cities and have a lot of fun and you're young, why get married young? It doesn't make any sense to me. Bag milk? Yeah, I think that a lot. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, sometimes I look at some of the guys that are like, hey, I got married or whatever. Even just buddies that I'm talking, like not taking NHLers out of the equation. I'm just talking about buddies I have. They had great times, and then they got married, and all of a sudden now we're 30, we're 33, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, I guess this is what goes on now. But, like, that's just a normal dude. If you're a dude that's got six schmill in your bank, and that's just casual lunch money for you, and you're cruising in New York, what, three times a year, two times a year? Well, I mean, you know. I mean, before 30, it's just crazy to think that you would do that. Because an NHL career is such a finite thing. Totally. You're going to only get... What's the average, like three years? Something like that. It's like, say, three to five years is the average. And that's all you get. You know. I could see wanting to settle down. Trust me, I can. Knock the pinata a few times as they were. Yeah, but when you see a guy that comes into the NHL and then you find out that he's been with the same girl since, like, even before junior... Yeah, like the nuge. Those guys, I get it. That's like their high school sweetheart. Yeah. Like from their small town? Yeah. Yeah, he he girls from Red Deer. Yeah, yeah. He met her playing junior, I, mean, I think. playing for the Warriors or whatever. Well, Re- Rebels, See, yeah, I get that too, I guess. I guess it's maybe the guys that start at like 20, don't have a girlfriend, and then immediately get one when they hit the show. Based on, and I've seen this with my own eyes because we have buddies who play in the NHL. I've gone to the foreign markets, and I've seen the WAGs room. And I've seen the girls that the wives and girlfriends bring into the dressing room to meet the players or other various hangers-on. Those are not the girls you want to be marrying that are like, it would be amazing to marry a St. Louis Blue because that's not the right reason. Yeah. Those are the marriages I don't understand. Yeah. Sometimes they're crazy. I mean, look, look at what's happening in Ottawa right now. Sometimes. That is crazy. Like, that's absolutely crazy. They say they didn't do it. Right? Like, she yeah. says she didn't do it? Yeah, she says she didn't do it. But, like, I mean, a bunch of wives, ex-wives of senators or whatever, they're all calling her out on it, like, on Twitter. Like, that doesn't happen. That's not normal. She just strikes me as somebody who would do it. Have you seen her talk, or are you just looking at, like, a photo? God, I hate to just say that I've only seen a photo. You can judge a lot from people based on nothing. Take it from me. I don't need to know any facts surrounding a person to conclude their <laughs> See, soul. See, I read their... <laughs> I read when they actually came out and tried to clear the air. Yeah. I read that, and, like, it... Sorry, it didn't change my opinion on the very first photo I saw of her. So what do you think is happening? Like, allegedly, of course. Allegedly, in our opinion. Do you think that she's doing this shit super sneaky on the down low and he doesn't know? There's no fucking way he didn't know. 
Mm. If he didn't know and she did that and he's still with her, then he's an idiot. Because he just she I mean his career is never going to be the same. I mean you're you're like you're like the the farms outside Chernobyl now for other teams. Pretty They're much. looking yeah. at you and your girlfriend and going, if we bring him in here, we are introducing the chance that they're like this into our dressing room. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And he just like, yeah, he like I didn't know much about him before, other than the fact that he was a good hockey player. And now, if he got traded to Edmonton, even if it was a screaming hot deal, and she came with him, I don't think I'd ever like him. Like, was it a jealousy thing? Do you think maybe like she's jealous of the big star in town? Because we got Concon on our team, and I, you know, if you're gonna be jealous of the big star, then we've got the biggest of all stars. The biggest. I have no idea what the motivation behind it is. I just I couldn't even pin it, but like it's just crazy to think that you would create a burner account to diss somebody else in their like most you know terrible time. And that craziness is running in dead heat with the assistant general manager getting the restraining order taken out against him from the Western shuttle driver in Buffalo. What? You didn't hear about this? No. Bag milk, you got actual facts here? I'm just sort I of don't have cribbing. actual facts, but it's something like that. Like there's allegedly bad shit happening with people being inappropriate as well. Always on the ride in from the airport to the Westin. The same poor guy. Guy driving the bus, getting groped and whatnot by the AGM in Ottawa. And this comes out like two days after the Carlson stuff. Oh my god. But suddenly the fact we made Sheldon Surrey come back from injury a bit too soon is no longer the scandal that you think it is in context with what's happening in Ottawa. Let's go to break. We'll be back after this real life podcast. Sumojerky.com. You've been through the gas station. You've seen all the flavors, teriyaki, black pepper, maybe extra hot, sweet chili. That's about as exotic as it gets. But if you subscribe to Sumo Jerky at sumojerky.com, check them out online, enter your preferences. They source out the finest small batch handcrafted maw and paw jerky from all over the world. They have all your favorite flavors, but it's high quality handcrafted versions of your favorite flavors, and they get exotic as well. Exotic jerky from exotic animals or played straight and stick with beef. Enter your preferences at sumojerky.com. It shows up once a month. Deliver it as a gift if you like. Have it sent to your work for a little pick-me-up during the day. Sumojerky.com. Follow them on Instagram at sumo jerky for pictures of their meat or sign up for the service yourself sumojerky.com once a month meat delivered right to your door it's the home delivery service you didn't realize you need until it started showing up my favorite day of the month is sumo jerky delivery day sumojerky.com to get started we're back real life podcast brought to you by our friends at sumojerky.com smig you know what sumo jerky is i do you know about this thing that we got i absolutely know you get it sent yeah. to you. Hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you were talking earlier about you do weird stuff all the time, Wanye, would you conclude that Sumo Jerky falls among those projects? Yes. I see all these different things that you came up with ever since the beginning of Oilers Nation, really. I didn't totally understand what that was. and uh, Like how it works? Like how it just what it was going to be. Right. What, you know, and then I realized very quickly that it was something that people wanted, you know, and that it was cool. Um, but pretty much every single time I thought about something you were doing, I was thinking it was shooting for the moon. I didn't quite understand any of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sumo Jerky is just another one of those things. Sumo Jerky is hilarious. It's doing really well in the southern U.S. Most of who we sell to are like 35 to 44-year-old males in the south of the U.S. 
They have all different crazy flavors, don't they? Yeah, we're running like ads in Louisiana to bring in like the best beef jerky from Ohio, and we're running ads in Mississippi to bring in the best Mississippi beef jerky. And Americans love beef jerky, man. You wouldn't even believe it. Who, Who doesn't? doesn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would live on it if it was like nutritional. Like I could do it. Like if I could sustain myself on jerky, I would. As the president and CEO of Sumo Jerky, I do not recommend <laughs> existing entirely on a diet of Sumo Jerky. Especially when they're handing out like big bags of salt that come with it, and I'm just dunking it like a fun dip. They ship these hilarious bags of like salt spice with the jerkies, and we thought they were dips, but they were like enough salt spice for like twenty steaks. You guys thought these were like the fun like, dip of beef yes, jerky. We're dipping beef jerky like num 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 num, and Yukon Jack was like, "How did you guys feel the next day? Like, did anybody have heart palpitations?" I'm like, yeah. "Oh no, Yuke, we're still young. My feet swole up, and I couldn't wear my shoes. Yeah. But uh, I can't see. But is that normal? Yeah, it was great. There's still exactly. bags upstairs. I might dunk some when I go upstairs. Really? Yeah. All of the salt. I Pour some in a little Red lasted. Bull. I don't know. Beef jerky never lasts. Sounds no. good. At the end of the day, that's why I like this company. Was that I was actually subscribed to it before we bought it. And it was delicious. And I was like, man, this is hilarious. Like, this is good times getting beef jerky every month. I look forward to it next month. It's a roulette as well because you don't know what kind of what flavors you're getting. This is one of the lessons I learned from Blue Chicago that's, like, stuck with me for the rest of my life. Like, if I don't love the product, I can't do it anymore. And, like, there's lots of stuff out there that are very good ideas, very good products, very good services, very good companies that I'm not a consumer of. But if I try to open a blues bar, as we did back then, and I don't love the blues... I do not give a fuck. I will not go the extra mile to figure out who the good bands are. I will not go the extra mile to get the good CDs to play to make us credible to the blues community. I also don't care who the blues community is. Right? See, but the blues idea was a pivot because, because we didn't have hockey and we yeah. weren't going to be a sports bar. And what the hell else? And that's what Capitol Hill was always kind of famous for was having blues, bar. blues and it would always draw crowds there's some irony bag milk to having your dream fail around you for 18 odd months with the blues as the bloody soundtrack to it like i can remember sitting down in the office and there'd be blues music playing on the stupid intercom or stereo and i'd be like man this is so depressing and i'm like look at my finances <laughs> i'm listening to the blues i'm like i really gotta get some peppier music up couldn't even place. have the venga boys to turn it up a notch no. and make us happy in there no it was awful so you come in here, Smeg, and you're sitting here and you're watching us talk, and we are currently doing the podcast from the office at Little Brick. Until five months ago, we were stealing studio space from an unnamed media company here in town because they were kind enough to let us do it sort of on the sly, and then we moved operations here so we didn't have to drive every which way to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. So we're in the office. By degree, we've bought mics and mic stands, and audio has gone from very poor to moderate, according to the p listeners of Google Play. Uh, and you come in, and then what did you say the other day? Well, the one thing I noticed was that this is the office that you and the Squire basically use every day. Yeah, we Nine run the to whole, five. All companies are run out of here. And anybody that knows you knows you guys don't exactly keep the most organized work areas. That is true. I remember coming to your guys' house once, and your mail, you had a ping pong or was it a foosball table yeah with a piece of plywood on it yeah and there was just mail all over it like mail unopened mail unopened mail i don't yeah. know how long it sat there but it was i just marvel that i'm like these guys got a lot of things going on and this is like i don't know how <laughs> they're going to deal with this and basically that thing just <laughs> changed into what if you look on the squire's phone and look at how many emails that he has that are unopened oh for sure and you just go gosh okay so anyways this you know you guys are trying to run an office and you're trying to podcasts out of it and people like banging on the door wanting checks signed and wanting stuff. people to come in and you've got mic stands and cables and cords everywhere 
And I just thought to myself that this was not a very, um, very nice work area for, <laughs> for podcast to be done in. And so what I thought was that you guys have a base, like what you've done at Little Brick is pretty amazing. It's beautiful. And people love it. It's like a little gem in the River Valley, and it's great. Yeah. And the renovations on the top two floors look amazing. Yeah. It's actually very nice in here. Like, very nice And here. when we oh, bought it, it wasn't is, very nice in No. Here. Oh, it was awful. It's like a five-star little house. That's correct. Yeah. It was, yeah. I remember you brought me in here. Oh, yeah. It, Disastrous. I kind of went, I walked out and went, what are they doing again? It was like, reverted <laughs> back to like, oh, my God, what are they thinking? But then it turned into this beautiful yeah. thing. So, and then we go in the basement, and it's that awful thing. It's nineteen. Mm-hmm. 19- hundreds yeah you know uh, there's just how we punish people we send them down there yeah i yeah. mean it's to be fair by basement standards in 1902 you generally just had a crawl space you didn't actually even have a basement but the guy who built the little brick house was the guy making bricks for all of edmonton so he had an abundance of bricks he probably has seven foot ceilings in his basement brick all the way down yeah no, there's no foundation to this house it's on a brick foundation. No, I know. It's pretty amazing. That's amazing. And, yeah, and the height down there, I mean, it's... It's a 116-year-old basement. Oh, yeah, and it looks every year of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, and you go down there, and it's a big space, too. That's the thing. You guys got a lot of space down there. And it's jammed. It's got all the nation gear, yeah. except now we moved it out. Yeah, a lot of moved out. But a lot of nation gear is down there. Then it's got the storeroom for all the hipster shit for our store at Little Brick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys keep it as clean as you possibly can. And I get, and like, there's shelves, and there's, it's, it's pretty organized. But there's one corner of it that's a little smaller than this office is that we're in right now. Yeah. You know, to, for anybody that could think about it, it's about 13 feet by 12 feet. Yeah. So it's pretty big. 250 square feet. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I just looked at it, and I thought, this is the perfect place for an actual podcast studio to run podcasts out of, to build it out, make it soundproof, have all the necessary equipment, no more wires everywhere, you know, a a table that's built in, fridges down there. Just basically you walk down a set of creaky 100-year-old stairs, down a hallway, and into a beautiful podcast studio. Doesn't that sound nice, Bagnock? Well, we talked about it a lot because we... I always thought it'd be great if something happens and we can just go down and record instantly in the moment. And it doesn't have to be, you know, we met at the KGB room at six o'clock on Mondays. And that was at the old studio, the KGB room. So it looked like an interrogation room for the KGB. It did. It was was like, there was a bare wires hanging down. It was the best. But so like, I really love the idea of having something set up permanently. That isn't the office. Yeah. And that's always working. You know, you could literally just go down there and if, you know, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, they are set times, I think, that they record. You can usually tell because they come out at a certain time, you know, they get released. Sure. But there's always the ones where they kind of do an emergency, some of them call emergency podcast, just because something big happens or something relevant to what their line of work is. And so they go and they want to do it while it's on top of mind. And they maybe have a special guest they can only get at that time. And they want to do it. Well... This office right here doesn't seem like it takes a little bit of setup, right? You got to move the mic stands out because it's still a working office four other days. Oh, a that, week. like those episodes where people are banging on the door yeah. Yeah. trying to conduct business. We're like, get out of here. I remember one time a guy came down to see me. He's a banker and he's like, bangs on the door. And I go to the door, just rip his head off. He's like, what, what do you mean you're doing a podcast? And I'm like, we have a lot of the go. Get out of here. <laughs> Did I get my money? No sh- shit. Because yeah, I love it so. I have the I have an idea. I've been listening to a lot of micro podcasts lately. What's a micro podcast? Like the, the people themselves are small? They're very tiny little people. Interesting. No, they're tiny they're, mics too. Oh. They're 10 minutes or less. Oh. So it's just say, 
you know, say something happens with the Oilers, I could just run downstairs, do a micro podcast, release it anytime I want. And that's what I'm really excited about. That's a super cool idea because those ones, especially to a guy like my job, I'm always by myself and I always have earphones in unless I'm, you know, in a meeting or something. But the fact is, is I listen to a lot of podcasts and those micro ones, like they can build up. Your podcast can build up over the day and and you start like, if you really think about a three hour show, that's 45 minutes um, for every hour segment that they have because they cut out the commercials. That's like two and a half hours worth of podcasting or two hours, 15 minutes that you have to listen to. So you can do like three of those a day if you had your earphones in all day, mm-hmm. all the time, right? So those ones are tough to get and like f- stick with and follow through with. The hour-long ones, those are a little bit easier, but the micro-podcasts, those ones are cool. Like those are really, really, they're easy to listen to for one thing, which is something that you know a lot of people like. But uh, th- th- to be able to just hammer a point and then be done with it. Yeah, I just think it's a different way to kind of present content to our audience it's just real quick super digestible i was talking to my boy dj twix at the wedding on saturday industry talk industry yeah i was gonna see if he could come up with the intro for me for something i want to do and then sick yeah, well you so. got something cooking no i just want to try it it's what, one do you, of those, what, what do you do what do you try i'm just gonna try doing five to ten minute recordings based on oh like you're gonna start doing mic- micro podcasts yeah yeah yeah, yeah. once yeah. we as have an oilers this, nation thing or as a bag milk incorporated as an oilers nation thing. oh yeah we'll yeah. just we'll just put it out on the on the site and yeah. we'll see how they do yeah maybe people like them maybe they don't and that's fine but based on me doing beatcasts last year and talking for 30 minutes by you myself you know about these beatcasts make you know no. what he's doing oh the beatcasts yeah 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 Sorry. so essentially i was just talking to myself for 30 minutes yeah and i would get some questions in and i'd answer questions and then but i wouldn't Dial that down even more to five to ten minutes. Eating a can of beets after every time the Oilers lost. Dan wore shorts. He's been wearing shorts for like six years now. Poor guy. Wore pants on Saturday. I saw 200 and how many? 50. 250 days. What is the shorts thing about? Until the Oilers are above 500. Even in the winter? They did this all year. These two, uh, for reasons they regret, were like, hey, the Oilers are (laughs) temporarily under 500. You guys must get paid a million dollars to agree (laughs) a year to get to agree with this. Dan started it. He said, I'm going to do this thing with the shorts. This was like, this was November or something, like early October. So the season had just started. Oilers maybe two, three games under 500. Oh, this is easy. Quick run back above, joke over. So I'm like, you know what? I'll jump in with you. Each time. They lose until they get to 500. I'm going to get a can of beets and I'm going to broadcast. And then Chris, the intern, wore a turkey hat the day after losses. So we were just ridiculous. Wearing a turkey hat and wearing no legs on your pants are two different levels of commitment to the cause. Seriously, how much thought went into the beats? Like, did you have other options? Have you guys already discussed this? Uh, no, I missed no, no, it. No, no, no. Not really. No, like, I just thought the Oilers got beat. <laughs> I would eat beets. As you know, I'm all in on the team. This year, I'm not doing 500. I'm doing every <laughs> loss is getting a can of beets this year. So I'm really hoping it's less than last year. <laughs> I ate one can of beets because we did a bet that I wouldn't watch playoffs. Yes, and I remember. And then Jay screwed me over and tricked me using David Perron as a play. And he said, come on in here. The old David Perron switch play. Right. Look at this, David Perron. He's doing really well. And he knows I hate David Perron on account of his Oilers career. And I said, that David Perron's a real piece of shit. And I sat down and watched hockey for two minutes. And I'd been entrapped. So I had to eat one can of beets. It was a poor dietary experience for me. I do not want to do that again. I cannot imagine how many beets you've eaten at this point. Yeah, it was terrible. I ate 38 cans last year. Oh. I literally only want the Oilers to be good now for my kids and you and you for the shorts that's yeah that's gonna be disastrous. Dan's a lunatic we went to he's been in the news twice like 
You've been in the legit news <laughs> yeah, because you saw, wear shorts in CBC the wintertime. CBC did a profile on Dad for wearing yeah. shorts. So we go do a, <laughs> uh, a hockey tournament in Lake Louise at uh, the Fairmont. <laughs> and it's like 20 below, and Dan's standing there like a lunatic wearing shorts the entire weekend. And we were outside all day. And he just took it like a man. He's a what champion. kind of shoes do you? Like you wear boots in the snow? Like big hot? No, just... Ankle yeah. socks and runners. So you're keeping strong to the fashion of the shorts, <laughs> regardless of what the weather's like. Because I told him you should wear hip waders or something. Like, you know, like I was trying to work around it for him. There's got to be some said. workarounds. Like, what about those tight workout pants that you wear that are like underneath and they're all the way down to your ankle? And then you could put tube socks over them. I'll tell you what I was really impressed with these guys. At like, in like December, the Oilers were 500, but not including OT losses. Yeah, no. And both of these guys could have jumped off the no pants dance beats wagon. It was the game before Christmas, and they, they said to. no. You didn't use that. No, I'm all in. They I, could have I said, said it's just until they're 500 again. This is the outs I'd be looking for. I'd be like, I said I would do it while they're 500. They're above 500. I'm done doing this. The rest of the season is their own problem. I don't care. These guys stuck with it. I mean, I respect it, but at the same time, I question it <laughs> because I would have used every loophole I could have to get out of it. But what it, what for me anyway, what it turned into is kind of a thing. So I was pulling numbers, and in total, more than 100,000 people watched me eat beets, like as an aggregate That's total. That's amazing. So, yeah, it just kind of turned into a thing. So, of course, I'm going to do it again. It's it's funny at this point. Now, now like even today, people, this guy's at Costco. He's he's like, check out, they've got beet chips here at Costco. Does that count? So now I turned into a beet guy. So, it's so just, does it count? No, absolutely not. Oh, it's going to be stick. a can of beets. Ugh. The only one I did not try last year was the whole beet in the can, which I found out was a thing. So I'm going to add those into the mix this year as well. That's incredible. incredible. All right. Well, let's, 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 let's wrap this sucker up. Let's, let's bring all these strings together into a rich tapestry of a point. You are going to be, Smeg, a regular on our show. You're going to come on our show. You're going to pass judgment on people. You're going to come on here when you're pissed about stuff. And your claim to fame of why you can never be removed from the situation was we wouldn't even have a sound studio were it not for you. True, yeah. It's anchoring yourself in. It's I'm a, poli- it's a building political up a play. Reason. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's how Stalin took over. He took over the garbage systems of the Soviet Union. Then he took over the entire <laughs> Soviet Union. <laughs> so we're going to get cracking on this. We're going to make a bunch of content out of this. Because like last time when we were in Blue Chicago, we invented the movie game. And the movie game was we were working on tiling, and we didn't know how to tile, and, and Smig was showing us how to do tiling. And we invented a game where you would name an actor, and then he would name another movie that he'd been in, and we passed weeks this way because we didn't have phones. And I suspect the same sort of shit's going to happen when we're downstairs, except that now we have an audience of millions to make hilarious videos about you for. And if you think that bag milk eating beets is popular, wait till you see yourself put a hammer through your thumb, and you're <laughs> going to go insane, and I'm going to have the whole thing on Periscope. It's going to be great. And while we're building out the studio, we're going to be making content about that. That's your contribution to the show. And that's why you get to stick around and do it as much or as little as you want. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Before, it's no different than 04, meeting on the roof of the patio, saying, hey, get in here, bring me a check for 20 grand in your hammer, yeah. and we're going to go make a bar that's sure to fail. I don't need to bring a check for 20 grand, though. No, I? no, this time it's free. In fact, we'll buy all the <laughs> other things. We just need to figure it out. I'll never forget, we were doing renos, and this will be one of our... We've got to do the best of the week and the worst of the week after, because we have to have structure. Yeah, you got to have structure. Smig says to me, this is, we're about a year in and we're going to do some renos now because hockey's back and we're redeveloping the restaurant side into being a sports bar. And he says, I need you to go and get wood. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'll get wood. I need you to get 
two by fours and four by eights and six by twelves and twelve by eighteens and a, whatever the hell it was. Couldn't have I, given you a more accurate list of what I needed. Dutifully wrote it all down. Yes. And I went and got my mom's van and went to construction sites stealing cut up wood that I thought was garbage <laughs> because we were out of money always. And I go around and I bring all the wood in and I stack it up and nothing is of proper length. It's the proper two by four, but they're like half of two by fours because I've gone and got like I got two four footers. It makes up an eight footer. Exactly. Uh, That's just not how it works. And you go, hey, where did you get all these weird bits of wood? And I said, what are you talking about? I went to the wood store, you know, Wood Mart just down the street, (laughs) all the wood needs. And you said, you know, when they do house construction, they'll paint the edge of the two by four a certain color. So if anybody other work sites try and steal wood from them on construction sites, they can identify their wood. And we walk around to the side of the wood and we look and there are all these different colored edges on all the boards that are all miscut. And you're like, did you go through garbage cans all around and steal the biggest chunks of wood you could? I'm like, ha, are we building booths or like what's going on? I remember that. Oh, yeah. That was fun. And now as a guy that has construction sites, I... I only took garbage. I know, but yeah. I was original, like crowdsourced garbage pickers guy, you know, when they're just like in alleys finding hipster shit. Yeah. I didn't steal. So you were really doing it for the environment. I wasn't unethical. I I wasn't actually stealing from people. I wouldn't do that. But I would go to a construction site, look in their pile of crap, and take the biggest pieces of wood out I could find. See, so in the long run, you were helping. You're helping save wood from the landfill, which I appreciate. So point being now, when we're going to build out the studio downstairs, I'm going to go around the construction sites again 14 years later and steal odds and ends. Because now we got the nation truck, though. You can fit more stolen wood in there. Before I was using my mom's minivan. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. No, I'm just going to bring the lumber this time with me. And now we can pay you because we've worked out. Now we're doing (laughs) very well. I think I might just, yeah. Back then, I didn't really realize how to um, get lumber delivered. Because I was still so new at it. That, they still would yeah. want money, so that didn't work for me. That's Nation true. Dance tell me it's called free cycling, what we do. It's not theft. Five-figure discount. Cycling. Yeah. No, that's theft. <laughs> like when the Squire got basically banned for life from the mall from stealing a Rita McNeil CD at Christmas time for his for mom. For his mom. Unbelievable. Rita McNeil? Rita McNeil. Or HMV, the one right by the fountains. Like. Wow. And mall security was like taking into account that he'd stolen a Rita McNeil CD. God, it was like quasi-easy imba- on him. What an embarrassing thing to get caught stealing. That is theft. Waiting outside for HMV to realize all the Rita McNeil CDs were garbage. I should also add my first Hotmail account was I love Rita McNeil. Neither here nor there. <laughs> Stealing crappy Rita McNeil CDs out of the garbage would be free cycling, which would be where I would draw the line of ethical unethical. Let's end it with the best and the worst of the week. Smake, you got, you'll go last because you got to think about this. Bag milk, you go first because you always have your shit together. What was the best and worst of the week this week? Uh, best of the week has nothing to do with the Oilers. I'm going to go ahead and give Barry Trotz a shout out for doing the most gangster exit as a coach ever. Wins the Stanley Cup. He had a two-year clause kicked in on his contract. He looked at the number, and he's like, you know what? That's not for me. I'd rather just quit here. And then the Capitals just say, well, all right then. Do you remember Enjoy when your life. they did the cup-winning press conference with Barry Trotz, and somebody had the tenacity to say to him, like, so is it hard for you winning the cup when you're so unclear about your contract situation next year? And I thought to myself, that's so rude. This man won the cup literally 10 minutes ago, and you can't even give him a press conference to enjoy. And the look on his face, he's like, of course, that has no impact on anything. Two weeks later, he's not the coach. Yeah. I love it. It was a gangster exit. Unbelievable. I'm super into it. Worst of the week. Worst of the week is, you know what? I'm going to go the reaction on Drake Kajula's contract. It is a very minor deal. 
It's a two-year deal. $1.5 million per. Is he overpaid maybe by a hundred grand or some minor term like that? Like Case's got that in his pocket. That's not a big deal. So I just thought the reaction was really dark. Uh, people were really just assholes to Drake, and I, that's the worst of the week. So Oilers fans being dicks. Smeg, you got this? I think so. What's your best of the week? Can we oh, start with my worst of the start week? Start with the worst of the week. Do you want me to go first? Sure. We can edit all this out. I'll go next. Best of the week was the trade proposal I heard of Lucic and Dreisaitl to the New York Rangers for players undefined. It said, <laughs> the Rangers are willing to entertain Milan Lucic's contract, provided they also got Dreisaitl. <laughs> and this is my best of the week because I haven't had a laugh that good in a while. And I thank you, anonymous Twitter troll, <laughs> for throwing this out there. Who in the hell is coming back in this trade? Well, yeah, because they're just that that trade right there is fourteen million dollars worth of salary that the Rangers are taking. Like, off. if you want to trade me nineteen ninety four Mark Messier <laughs> and John Van Beesbrook of the same year, yes, perhaps we would entertain that deal. But it's like, oh, just throw in dry. You don't throw in just casual throw in dry sidle to any deal. Just a little throw in. So the worst of the week for me would be were they to do that trade. If you think that you're having problems getting good service at local Tim Hortons now, Peter Chiarelli, you do the Lucic dry sidle for unnamed Ranger trade, good luck. There was another one, a really bad one. It was just some guy threw out the idea of it was Nuge, uh, Ethan Bear, a first, and I don't remember what was in there. The kitchen sink was in there, and then they would get Carey Price back, and I was like, okay. He who has an eight-year deal and yeah, just yeah. blew out all of his key limbs? For $10 bucks. and then Dan and I were sitting there like, well, if the Oilers don't want to ice a roster next year, then that makes sense, I guess. Just the, it, the trade ideas right now are absurd. I think trades in the offseason make a lot more sense if you consider them through the lens of they're just fan fiction. It's like when people draw those cartoons of Homer and Marge banging, right? Like, mm. this has never actually happened. It's never going to happen. You're a pervert if you watch this stuff, and you shouldn't be. Oh, am I? Well, I it's mean, the same what? if you're going to BuzzFeed, <laughs> and you're like, I want to look at all the E3 rumors. You're one degree off watching Homer and Marge doing the deed. Yeah. But it's fan fiction. It's what would... It's just poking the bear. I think Eklund understood that very early on. He did it very well. There is an unending appetite for fan fiction trade scenarios in the NHL where all people really want to do. Because, you know, there's a lot more trades in the NHL, I think, than there are in other leagues. Right? In my mind, at least. Like, impactful trades. Like I don't know, man. The NBA has got huge trades that happen. That's actually like, true. Big, like, big Super teams guys and shit. Yeah. yeah. But in my mind, in hockey, there's always a blockbuster deal that you can get excited enough about. I'm thinking more of the NFL. I don't really know much about it. It doesn't seem like Tom Brady trade rumors are popping up every week. Well, there could be a pretty big trade in the NBA. Tom Brady? Like in the next week or two. Oh, LeBron? Oh, yeah. Well, and Kawhi Leonard Mm. saying that he doesn't want to go back to the Spurs. This is why you're on the show. I didn't even know that that was a team or a person. Kawhi Leonard? Kawhi Leonard situation. Good name. It's been the weirdest situation I've ever heard of. Is it one of your best or worst of the week? Work it in. No. Oh, I got two other ones already. Oh, oh, oh. Well, do that, do that. Do the best of the week. Okay, we I'll do the do best of the week. We Forget structure. about Kawhi Leonard. We'll talk about that Fuck later. That or never. He he sounds be, like or an, never. He may not even be real. <laughs> it sounds like an adequately priced unit at Ikea. A Kawhi Leonard? Yeah. Kawhi Leonard. You got to get, get the special one at the fourth shelf so you can exactly. put more books in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so my best of the week is the video of the porta potty flying at the Denver uh, mm, yeah. fair. Yeah. Have you seen the video? Oh, yeah, Dan did something with that. Oh, you did do something with it. Yeah, put a music underneath it. Oh, my God, it's amazing. And I just feel really, really bad for the people that were underneath it as it was flying. And oh, I want to yeah. know where it landed. Like, somebody's got to have a video of that. So they were sitting in a porta potty and it flew. No, away. no, no. The porta potty's empty. Yeah. And you can see that the wind takes them. They both hit a car, <laughs> but one of the doors opens on one of them. 
and then it basically gets airborne and it shoots like god what i gotta say is like 50 feet in the air <laughs> yeah, 30 to 50 crazy. feet in the air and, but all you see is just liquid dumping out of it gross and it flies yeah it's disgusting oh it's good though but gross. there's so many camera phones everywhere you there's got to be one of it flying like landing so that just brings me back horrible memories this one time we were at big valley and i saw a guy go into the porta potty and his buddies pushed it over but onto the door so he couldn't get out and that just gives me horrible flashbacks oh, to that's like the worst of. thing you could do to somebody yeah and they were they were his buddies like just I think an enema ever. of angry hornets, but that's neither here nor there. That would be much worse, but this is very, very close. Yeah. Sewage. Remember mm-hmm. the Simpsons when Grandpa comes in and he's like, I took the elevator down to the basement. Somebody made a real mess down there. It's my outhouse. <laughs> and so my worst is uh, Phil Mickelson, man. That what was, did he do? You didn't see it this weekend? Buddy, I was out of there. Okay, and Saturday in the U.S. Open. Yeah, the U.S. The, Open was this last past week. Yes, and so... I was indisposed. Yeah, yes, so they yes, made yes. the greens basically impossible. Uh, they were like concrete, and they're basically like upside-down bowls. And so on a hole, he putted the ball, and it went past the hole by like two or three feet, and he ran, and before the ball stopped, he hit it back towards the hole. Now, that's completely illegal, yeah. right? But it's not like you you get two strokes for it. But the alternative in his mind was worse because... They had somebody go out there and throw that ball and basically have it roll the exact same distance with the exact same speed. And they watched the ball basically go down to the front of the green, around the bunker, and, and, and back onto the fairway. Like, Phil knew that was going to happen, and he would have had to chip it over and probably went to gun up and down from there, therefore costing him more than two strokes. So, so wow. in true, like, you know, the unwritten rules of golf and these guys are supposed to be gentlemen – he just went up and hit it. Did he like one time it into the hole? He, no, he'd missed it, but he went up and as it was moving, just one timed it. Yeah. And then he looked at Beef because that's who he was playing with. Beef. Beef. What's his real name? I don't, I don't know. know. There's a golfer named Beef. There's a guy. There's a golfer named Beef, and he's cool. He looks exactly jerky. Like beef. Said the founder yeah. and CEO of Sumo Jerky. <laughs> he he should, seems like you a should fit reach there. out to him for a sponsor of Sumo Jerky. <laughs> beef. So, anyways, he looks at them and they just start laughing and they laugh all the way off. And you know, I mean, he handled it. The guy's got a stellar resume. He assigned his strokes. Oh, yeah, he took the two strokes. It was better than... What do you make on the hole? uh, Ten. And this is your best or worst of the week? It's my worst because here's why it's the worst. To me, that's heads up shit. Yeah, I like that. No, 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 it is. And I do, like, well, because I couldn't make the porta potties the worst, so... Because I was the best. But I still wanted to talk about the Phil Mickelson thing. This is why best and worst is tricky, and lots Mm -hmm. of weeks we don't do it. It's hard. It's not as easy as it looks at first place. I was going to go with the loophole of just the best and bester. Yeah. But for my first time, I thought that was very Phil Mickelson of me. Hey, you have to come before the tribal council, and we have to judge you. Otherwise, you're not on the podcast. I also saw a video of Phil Mickelson this weekend. There was a guy following him around the course with a duck hat on. Did you see that? No. Yeah, the guy's following him around with a duck hat, and he kept calling it the good luck hat. And Phil would come over and rub his head every time he saw him. And the guy just followed him around the course. I think it's up on Barstool's Instagram or something like that. But like, it was hilarious. Phil would run across like, the fairway to get to the guy with the duck hat on. Phil Mickelson is one of the few examples of somebody who's of poor character becoming good character. Do you remember when he first was like on the climb and he was so unlikable? Yeah. And he turned pro and he was in the LA Open and he flipped his collar up. He's like 17. You ever see Phil Mickelson win the LA Open? Look that <laughs> up. He is so skinny. His collar is so popped. He was so unlikable. Yeah. And then he got the housewives. The housewives? Housewives love Phil Mickelson. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was like, he's like the first golfer that housewives in. Like... But it was also Amy being sick, he said. When his wife oh, got yeah, breast yeah. cancer, he said that it, his time away from the game and dealing with life and death and blah, blah, blah really put some perspective on things, and he's just loosened up. And now he does these things where he, Phil Mickelson's now like a folk hero. 
And he used to not be a folkier. He was largely reviled by people. And I always be like, Phil can't win the cup. Or uh, a, tr- a major. Phil's yeah. a loser. Phil's got a Yonix putter or whatever, right? Or whatever it was. Now, I remember he hit a guy on the, in, the, in the crowd in the, wa- in the watch with a drive. Remember that? Yeah, and it His broke watch it. exploded. Yep. And Phil walked over during a PGA tournament, mind you. He is a professional athlete, currently athleting, pulls a wad of cash out of his pocket, flips <laughs> this guy a bunch of money. Didn't he also give him his own watch? He gave him his own watch. Yeah, and gave him money and bounce. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. That's folk hero shit. That's Robin yeah. Hood. So I do like Phil, and I do like what he did. Yeah. I just, it, um, it was my worst because he can't be doing that, Phil. No, it's true. Well, there we are, boys. That was the podcast. Meg, thoughts? Do you enjoy doing it? I mean, I don't know. I'm going to go back and listen to it. Oh, I don't think. go back and listen to it. Nobody else does. Why should you? Yeah, that's, that's true. I well, I had fun at least. I mean, it was... No, it's good, it's buddy. Good. good to have you on the show. So we're going to get to work on the sound studio. We're going to try and have this sucker up and running when the new season starts. Yep. It's going to be unreasonably luxurious. Yes. Although small. Do we have any... Which is also is the name a... of my sex tape coming out in October. Yeah. Unreasonably luxurious. But yet small. How did it take so long yet be so short as well? <laughs> Is he crying? It might be short, but it's also thin. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.